the angel spoke about news, and it made me wonder, where do people get their news these days? I, uh, I get most of my news on the Internet, probably like uh, many of you. Um, I don't know if you have a favorite website you go to for your, your news. I used, to, I used to read Twitter, and then I decided for my own mental health I needed to stop reading Twitter because um, it gave me the news that much sooner, but it also gave me the arguments and the shouting that much sooner. So I decided I would just uh, be a couple of hours behind the curve. And so I don't, I don't read Twitter anymore, but I still go to some websites. Uh, back before the internet, I used to listen to the radio. I got most of my news over the radio, and before that, I would watch TV and get my news from TV. Uh, oddly enough, I've never been much of a newspaper reader. There's been a couple of times when we would, you know, they mark the subscription down to nothing and we'd get it for a while and then we'd quit having it, um, because it was, because I'm just not a newspaper person. And that's, that's strange because I was the editor of my college newspaper. And uh, maybe I just got tired of it. It wasn't all that much fun. Um, mostly what it consisted of is going to to boring meetings. There'd be like the faculty senate or the, the regents would be having a meeting. And so I'd go and I'd listen to them and I'd decide if there was anything that needed to be uh, shared with the student body. And usually the answer was maybe there is, but I don't know. So, um, so there was that, reading the press releases to see if professors did anything interesting outside the classrooms because sometimes it wasn't clear that they did anything interesting in the classroom. So that was the kind of work it was, and it wasn't all that much fun. The, the most fun I had was, was uh, uh, in the annual um, April Fool's edition, which was uh, a tradition that I inaugurated. And what I did was I just made up my own news that, that I thought would be more fun than the news that, that was actually out there. Um, uh, I, I don't remember all the stories, but I remember one story that, that I came up with uh, uh, and... Um, it was about the computer science department had created a new degree program. It was in cybercrime. Not in preventing cybercrime, not in detecting cybercrime, but in committing it and getting away with it. And there was going to be a new, a new bachelor's degree that you could get for that. Um, I, I was making up fake news before fake news was even a thing. And so I was thinking about news. I was thinking, where do people get their news? Um, because the, the angel says he has good news. He has come to give good news of great joy for all the people. And that is the message of Christianity. Christianity is good news of great joy for all the people. And unfortunately, it does not always come across that way. I think too often, Christianity comes across as good advice that... that um, if you just change your ways, if you stop doing this or start doing that, then you will have a better life and God will be happy at you. But, but that's, that's advice. One of the things I learned when I was in, in the, the news business is that there's a big difference between advice and news. Advice is set in the future. But news is something that has already happened. And for it to be good news, it has to be something that has a direct impact on you. So, uh, let me give you an illustration, and this is kind of maybe more fake news, depending on how you want to hear it. Um, but imagine, imagine that someone told you that the iPhone 13 was going to cost $200. Now, you may think, well, that's good news, but it's not good news. It's a good rumor, because there's not even an iPhone 12 yet. And so by the time the iPhone 13 comes out, there's no telling what they will do for pricing. right? It's not news. It's, it's a rumor. Now, as for the price, suppose you heard that the iPhone 11, that Apple had changed the price, and now the iPhone 11 was going to be $200. Is that good news? Well, it might be if it affects you. Now, if you just upgraded, it's probably bad news because you're thinking, I spent too much money on my phone. 
But if you are in the market, then it's good news. So the angel says he's got good news. It's not good advice. It's not saying the iPhone's a better product than the Android or something like that. It's, it's, it's news. It's something that has already happened. The angel says God has already done something that is good news. So, so what, what would make it good news as opposed to good advice? I mean, you know, you, you know the kind of advice we hear. And, and it may be good advice. Maybe the advice we get is that we should, uh, you know, scale back our drinking. Maybe the advice we get is that we need to get some help with our depression. Maybe the advice we get is that we need to deal with our anger. Maybe, maybe it's we need to get on top of our finances and actually start saving. Maybe we need to spend less time at work and more time with our family. We get all kinds of advice. People give us all kinds of advice. But that's stuff we can do in the future. It's not news. So if Christianity has communicated to you, if Christians have communicated to you that God is all about good advice, then they have miscommunicated to you because the angel brings good news. So what is the news that the angel brings? Well, he answers that question immediately. He says, don't be afraid, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born in Bethlehem, the city of David. So what did he mean by that? What did he mean by a Savior, a Messiah? Well, for the shepherds, the Messiah would have been a very big deal. They would have understood that the Messiah was the one that had been prophesied for centuries to bring the the world back into uh, uh, the state that God had intended for it, to restore what was wrong with the world. They would have understood that the Messiah was the one who would actually fix what was broken in the world. And the reason for that is in, in their thinking, the, the line of thinking that they, they had, uh, what is wrong with the world is that people don't don't meet their own expectations, that people don't don't meet God's expectations, that we fall short of what it is we're supposed to do. And and that's not really even all that theological. You probably know that for your own case. I mean, I know I fall short of my own goals. And my guess is that you can say, yeah, I fall short of my goals too. That's the reason we get advice from people who are trying to be helpful. And they tell us we should we should stop doing this or start doing that. Because we do fall short of our own goals. And if we fall short of our own goals, how much more do we fall short of God's? So the thinking is, if we would somehow just meet God's expectations... If we could somehow do what God made us to do, then there wouldn't be a problem. The world would be what God meant it to be. It would be paradise. But we can't do it. We're in this fix. We can't do it. And so the Messiah would be the one who would enable us to do it. And the way the Messiah would do it is by reconnecting us to God. That the Messiah heals the breach the Messiah reconnects us to God so that instead of trying to do these things, which we, we know we can't, I, I fall short of my own goals, much less God's, that I would have God working in me, enabling me to be the kind of person that God made me to be. That God would reconnect me and then I could do the things that I need to do. And this is the story of Christianity. This is, this is what Christians believe, is that God is at work in us because of what Jesus has done. And it may seem imperceptible. If you know some Christians, you may say, well, I'm not seeing it. 
And the reason for that is because God is doing it one Christian at a time, one relationship at a time, one addiction at a time. God is taking people and transforming them from who they have been to the person that God made them to be. And the reason it may not be obvious is because oftentimes the place God is working is the place where people are the least transparent. And so you don't see it, but they know it. Because they say, you know what, I used to have to work harder at this, but now it feels as if somebody is actually leaning in and helping me. I I used to have to pretend a lot more, but now I can be more myself. That is that is what Christians believe. And, And for some of us in this room, that is our story. That God has been at work in our life, changing us from who we used to be to who God is turning us into. One of the things that Jesus gave us in order to bring this transformation about is the community that we call the church. The reason for that is that some of the things that we need to work on, some of the, some of the problems that we're going to have to deal with in our life haven't happened yet. But they will. Someday those problems will occur. And when the wheels come off at 2 a.m., it's better to have somebody that you can call. It's better to have people in your life who will be with you in the ER, who will be with you in the courtroom or the roadside. It's better to have people who will encourage you, who will say, no, don't, don't give up yet because I can see something has changed about you. I know you well enough that I can see that God is doing something in you. And most of all, to say, that's the vision that you have? Wow. How can I be part of it? Because that's what the church has done for 2,000 years. The church has looked at a situation and said, this needs to change. Now, there's nothing unique about that. Everybody can look at the world and envision a better world. That's like looking at you and giving you advice because they can envision a better you. Anybody can envision a better world. But Christians say, I have experienced God at work in my own life, changing me from who I was to who I'm becoming. They've experienced God in their own life, and they've seen God at work in the church. And that enables them to trust that in God, with God, all things are possible. And so they tackle the problems that other people would say, well, that would be great, but it's a pipe dream. And so the Christian church brought the world the first orphanages, the first hospitals, the first universities. The Christian church has been at the forefront of social change for 2,000 years, not because we see things better than others, but because we've experienced God in our life. And the reason we've done that is because the angel came to announce the good news of the Messiah, the Messiah who reconnects us back to God so that we have God working in us. So that is the message of Christianity. It's not good advice. It's good news. It's good news about what God has already done. God did it 2,000 years ago, but it's available to you now. 
And having gone to a lot of effort to tell you this is good news, I want to give you one small piece of advice. <laughs> I'm a preacher. Can't help myself. It's this. The shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. And I would like to encourage you to be like the shepherds. Check this out yourself. Don't trust me. Don't believe me, I mean, even if I shined like an angel. Don't believe me. Check it out for yourself. If you're not a believer, talk to one. Some of you came here tonight because a believer hectored you into coming to church with them. So say, let's have coffee sometime, and I want you to tell me why you're a believer. Because I want to be like the shepherd. I want to actually understand what it is about you people. If you have never prayed, then find a quiet time in the next day and just say, Jesus, I don't know how to do this, but people tell me that you respond to prayer, so tell me what my next step would be. If you're already a part of a church, but you're, you, you come to church, but it's not really, it's not what I was talking about. It's not the people who help you at 2 a.m. You're not connected to the church that way. In 1992, I went to a, I went to a pastor. He had preached a, a little message that I had the opportunity to hear. And I, I went up to him after the service and I said, I loved what you said, except for one thing, I don't believe in God. And he said, well, if you could see what God is doing, maybe you would. And a great place to see God at work is in this church. Now, that church was in Indianapolis, but if you will forgive me some parochialism, I think you can see God at work in this church, too. So if you come to this church occasionally, if you've been here a few times, you know where the restrooms are located. Let me encourage you to dig in, to to lean into this church and, and say, how can I build the kind of community here that the pastor was talking about. How can I find those 2 a.m. friends? How can I see God at work in the world? And lastly, if you're part of the church, you're, you're, a, you know, you're an officer in the church, you're, you're a regular. I, I'm not surprised when I see you here. If, if you're that kind of person, let me ask you to do this. Dream big dreams because the promise of Christianity, the promise of Christmas is that God works through us to fix what's broken with the world, to make the world what God has always intended it to be, one Christian at a time. Let's pray. Loving God, we thank you for Christmas because because you sent the Savior you had promised. It's an accomplished fact. It's not something we have to wait for. It's something that's already already at work in our world, Lord. And we pray that you would um, help us to... Um, to respond as the shepherds did, to take the next step of faith so that you can be at work in us, making us into the people you want us to be. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.